Swanson to first. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are Super Bowl 55 champions, led by Tom Brady. The long wait has ended after a half century. The Milwaukee Bucks are NBA champions once again. And Lightning has struck twice. And the Tampa Bay Lightning are back-to-back Stanley Cup champions. Well, hello there. Episode number 83 of Four Future Considerations. I'm John, bringing in my friends Matt and Manny. Guys, how are you? Great. Hi, John. <laughs> <laughs> it's been two days. Long time no talk. How you been? I know. The best part of doing this podcast, like, no one's listening. Literally, nobody is listening. <laughs> but I get to see you, like, twice a week. This is great. <laughs> oh, I didn't see you this much until it was, like, I, like 2005, when we would spend pretty much every day together and uh, just decide at, at work at about 3.30 whose place we were going to for, for dinner or what we were doing that night. And... Uh, uh, that's uh, that, that was the way our, our evening operated. Although everyone looks vastly different virtually than, than live in person. <laughs> yeah, I look like I've given up on life. I've forgotten to shave for about two weeks. Yeah, you should, <laughs> you should see when your screen yeah. freezes. <laughs> <laughs> I always have to start in November in about uh, August. So uh, it's... Uh, Rashad's getting a bit of a late start here, but he's already catching up. <laughs> yeah, that beard looks, that three-month beard, Matt, looks great, man. It's just, it's a little patchy still over here, a little patchy in a couple spots, but <laughs> <laughs> looks nothing great. beats getting asked in the conference finals, uh, covering the uh, Owen Sound attack on Rogers TV, why I'm not doing the growing a beard thing like the rest of the broadcast team. No, no, I am. <laughs> I am. I've got a, I've got the full stash and the handlebars next to Matt. Peach fuzz. Man, we got Gary Hahn in there. Gary Hahn had his full beard back in the second period of game two. <laughs> he looked like ZZ Top. <laughs> I said there, Mark, Mark Perry's starting to suggest that I either look homeless or I start drawing something on my face just to make it look a little bit deeper. <laughs> I was, I was that this close to wearing those glasses with the fake nose and the mustache one day just to show I was part of the team. <laughs> and, geez, nothing's changed in 15 years. You could probably stop. <laughs> I know. <laughs> now I just wear one of those tuxedo t-shirts. <laughs> that would be a great outfit. Great outfit. <laughs> this is our second show of the week. If you missed episode 82, we had some pretty good debate yeah. about hockey, baseball, football, and more. Yeah. Yeah, go back, take a look at uh, that episode, uh, all our previous episodes as well. You can check out some of the great guests that we've had. Wyatt Johnston, uh, Andrew Parrott, two stars of the OHL, saw Andrew on the weekend. Didn't get a chance to, to go down and say hi. I was a little scared after the uh, result of that game. Uh, didn't want to bother anybody, but uh, he uh, he was he was playing pretty well, so it was great to see him. <laughs> and uh, as always, we call our second episode of the week the OT. This one will have a very junior hockey feel to it with a special guest. Yes, uh, this guy is one of the most recognizable voices in the Ontario Hockey League. He's done work and continues to do work for the league, from weekly radio shows to draft specials. He appears in almost every OHL game that appears on your TV. In fact, his title is Manager of Programming and Community Relations for your TV, formerly Kojiko 
in Sarnia and Windsor. He is the voice of the Sarnia Sting on television and has been working in the broadcasting industry for the last 26 years. Please welcome to For Future Considerations, the one, the only, Terry Doyle. Ladies and gentlemen, big round of applause, Terry Doyle. After that introduction, do we have any time left? That was one of the longer introductions. Or Is that it? Are we out of time? Yeah, I, I've got to get it all in. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us, Terry. <laughs> How have you been? Good. It's been busy. And you know what? Even uh, It's been good being back on the OHL beat the last uh, two months, I guess. It feels like this season's flying by, to be honest with you, with so many games in a short time. But uh, even during the break, it was busy for me with some other stuff with that long title you mentioned (laughs) and uh, managing the stations uh, across southwestern Ontario. But uh, yeah, it's great to be back in the rink and seeing the familiar faces and uh, seeing some good junior hockey as well. This has been interesting to see uh, all of these teams, and, and you've seen most of them now, and, and uh, Sarnia certainly uh, got some games under their belt. Uh, a lot of teams, I think, at the very beginning, and there are quite a few out there, we're still not really sure what those teams are or, or what they're trying to do, and, and Sarnia may be a perfect example of that just compared to the start and, and the last few games that they've played. Well, that's exactly it. I think you look at we've had two years of turnover in the league. We're used to having one year of turnover, but this year – two years worth of new guys coming in as well from both the 20 and the 21 drafts and figuring out who's who, who's going to play with whom, and who maybe uh, worked out a lot during the break and who didn't work out a whole lot during the break. And I think that's what we're seeing in teams just getting their legs under them. And Sarnia, for the first bits, you know, had good goaltending, but that was about it, and then picked it up over the last little while. But, hey, we've always known junior hockey's unpredictable. Uh, you just add this situation to it, it makes it even more interesting and unpredictable as well. But, yeah, I think we're seeing, they always say, was that 10 games to get your legs under you in a season? I think this year might be 15 to figure out uh, where you're going to be, and then uh, that's where we kind of go from here. But, uh, yeah, it's been interesting to see, especially in the Western Conference, where with everybody only playing within the conference now, seeing all these teams and how things are coming together. And it's kind of the same in the Eastern Conference, with the exception of a few teams that cross over, and uh, they've only recently been allowed to cross the border to play U.S.-based teams. How do you think that's going so far? You know what? The big thing is it's gone according to plan, I guess. And the plan was, of course, the first month, don't cross the border. The U.S. teams stay amongst themselves and then start crossing over. We haven't had any issues, knock on wood. We haven't seen any games postponed or anything like that. We saw that recent situation with the Ottawa Senators. We've seen stuff around other leagues. I think that's the main thing is so far every game's gone off according to plan. Everybody's been there. I think if you were going to say in August or September how you'd want the first two months of the OHL season to go, right now I'd say it's mission accomplished. Just thinking about that plan, Terry. Do you see this as a long-term plan in the Ontario Hockey League to cut down on costs for other teams and that sort of thing? I don't think so. I think this is a specialty thing, and I think trying to still promote the stars and even the situation where, imagine in a normal world, you know, you're a young man growing up in Sarnia, you're a young man growing up in some other Western Conference city, and now you're selected by an Eastern Conference city and your parents can never see you play without making a long travel, for example. And sure, they can watch you on TV, see you when you come a little closer, but even even small things like that. I Whether there'll be some more discussions about increasing rivalries, but I think to go to the other conference at least once a year is still a thing. In the West, for those long travels, sometimes they only go once. They just played each team once a year not home and home like you go to their building this year they come to yours next year but that's talking seattle to brandon versus in the o 
you know, we're talking Saginaw to Ottawa, that would be a breeze compared to going to Seattle to Brandon. And they're on the road for two weeks, for example, out west versus you could do that in a long go one day, come back the next. And of course, you put a swing with other teams in that as well. So I think this is a one off. I think we'll see uh, back to something somewhat more normal next year. I know we've been pretty fortunate with the way that the OHL season's gone so far, and, and you alluded to that right away, Terry. How important was it now looking back, uh, and now that we've got some games under our belt, for the OHL to, to get this right? Oh, absolutely. I think last year obviously was disappointing for everyone, and there was talk different times. We all heard, are they going to go? And then the league admitted they were 15 hours or so away from announcing a return. And then the government said, oh, oh hold on. We've had an, you know, more cases. We've got to clamp down on the rules again. Never mind. And we kind of heard they were close. I don't think we realized just how close they were. And talking to players. And they even said, like, okay, we wish somebody had just told us, okay, we're done. And then we could have maybe looked at something else. And instead, kind of, here we go, here we go. And I remember even talking to a couple GMs. And they thought, okay, I think we're getting close. So let's get some things prepared. And then silence. So I think, yes, definitely needed to get it right. Let's be honest, it's a business and needing to be able to sell tickets, needing to be able to sell sponsorship and everything like that to keep people employed. And there are people who thought, oh, it's just hockey. Well, no, there are people who depend on this for their mortgage. There are people who work for the teams, whether it's a GM or coach or a trainer, or any athletic therapist, you name it, or business people, marketing people, you name it. They still have to pay the bills as well. It's not just this fun hockey thing. Uh, it's a business and it's people's livelihoods. And I know talking to some that really struggled, they were laid off. Uh, I remember talking to one media person around the league who said, thank goodness my partner has a great job and she's the one making the money right now because I'm not making much. You think he was laid off seven out of eight months or something like that. And you know, at the end of the day, that's the real life side of this. And it's great to see everybody back in the saddle. Well, they're in media anyways. They're not making any money to begin with. Right? <laughs> no, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're based in the West in Sarnia. How often do you get to see the East? Like um, John, uh, Matt and I talk about Shane Wright being the top prospect and not being able to see him live. And we're going to miss that this year for sure. Yeah, and for me, definitely, I think in other years, get a chance to, for example, homeless Peterborough. And I usually try to make, you know, if the Stinger away for a weekend, maybe make that trip into Peterborough, check out a game there. And of course, with TV options and streaming options that are out there, potentially to see some of the games we saw with the national contract. Uh, Shane Wright was in a game a couple weeks ago against Mississauga, so checked out some of that. But yeah, and you guys know in the past when an Eastern team would come into a Western town, you kind of have to do a little more homework because you haven't had a chance to see those players as much. And uh, at least, I guess, a little bonus that they have announced there's a prospects game this year in Kitchener. So people at least will have an opportunity to see him on a national stage and, of course, see Shane Wright in person, potentially, if they go to the odd for that. And uh, I think pretty confident in saying unless something very, very strange happens or catastrophic happens, we'll see Shane Wright at the World Juniors for Team Canada. So we'll all get a chance to see him there. But, yeah, I think it's, there's always those people that we always know, too, that it's nice to see them when they come to town, whether it's the broadcasters from the other teams or certain coaches or people like that. It, the OHL is that community feel, and I think we kind of lost a little bit of that this year when not having some of the people cross over. Yeah, I don't know who I miss more, Shane Wright or Jimmy Gilchrist, right, in Kingston. Jimmy Gilchrist <laughs> for the win. <laughs> 
I, I want to take you down uh, a part of, of your response there, and this is going to be more of the broadcasting side of things for yourself. How much hockey are you watching in a week? And, and like you said, when you get the East uh, teams that are coming in, you don't know a ton about them. How do you prepare for, for calling that game? I think it's looking at trying to look back and even start with highlights and sort of build it up. Start with highlights. You're trying to pick out trends, see how the team has done over the last little while. Am I sitting there watching full games over and over? The easy answer would be yes. The honest answer is no. I think it's picking and choosing. And then you go through that. You try to have a note. You try to have some information on everybody on that team because what happens if that fourth line guy goes off for two goals and two assists and has a career game? You want to know that's a career game for him or you want to know that's his first OHL goal or anything like that. So you want to have that information. And that's where, too, uh, text back and forth with maybe one of the radio guys or the TV guys, especially with us on the Your TV side, with having seven markets across the league, we'll exchange information back and forth. And, you know, Sarnia would go on an Eastern swing and I'm getting messages from our Kingston guys or our Peterborough guys to confirm some things, even from pronunciations to uh, clarifying if someone's related to someone and things like that. And, you know, looking at some of those reports now, it's different. We don't have the beat writers as much either, so a few less stories out there. But yeah, you're gathering up and talking to your colleagues and sure, finding out what's going on. You know, go back and look at some box scores, some highlights, you name it. Just try to gather up as much as possible and then you yeah, have those good uh, media room conversations before the game as well. And uh, you mentioned the first uh, few games uh, not so good for Sarnia. Now they're getting um, their wheels under them a bit. How do you think the rest of the season will go for them? And how do you think the season has developed up till now? Well, the goaltending is going to be the big key. Ben Godreau, drafted by San Jose, and then Anson Thornton, signed as a free agent by Arizona. So you have two NHL prospect goalies. The interesting thing is going to be, last time I checked, they only play with one net in hockey, and you can't put two goalies in. I think Roger Nielsen may have tried that years ago, but you can't put two goalies in. And both being prospects probably want more than 50% of the games. So it's a good problem for Sarnia to have. Do they decide something? to solve that down the road or be content with the two goalies. That could be interesting. They've got, a, other than that, it's a young team up front. They're scoring a lot and they've got a couple horses on the back end. So we will see how long that continues on. I think Alan Latang has done an excellent job as the head coach coming over from Owen Sound, who Latang's lived in Sarnia for the last 20 years and was commuting to Owen Sound. So it worked out great for his family to uh, be able to stay put in Sarnia now and not have those commutes up to the Bayshore for weeks at a time. But I think all in all, it's a situation that, uh, like everything, it's a little unpredictable. They'll, they'll go on waves. They had a big run this week. I'm sure at some point they'll hit another slump, but such as junior hockey. But I think it's it starts with the goaltending, and it's an interesting situation to have. We're big fans of Alan Latang on the podcast here, so <laughs> glad that he's doing well. Which teams have you seen so far, Terry, that you would describe as the upper echelon, the team to beat at this point in November? Well, nobody wants to hear this answer, but let's be honest. London has looked excellent, other than that home-and-home against Sarnia. Uh And even then, especially the first game, you know, Sarnia came out well, but yeah, it just had that feeling, is London going to come back? And Sarnia held serve and did well, and they got great goaltending, but London's certainly very deep, and I think that's certainly going to be a big factor. Saginaw, I kind of wonder. They've looked good at times, and then they haven't looked great at times. So I think looking for consistency, and their goalie Tristan Lennox has been out with an injury, so that doesn't help. But, uh, you know, they look pretty good from that standpoint. Uh, When you look at some of the Western Conference teams, especially those we've seen in person, and then, uh, you know, over in the East, it seems to be 
hey, you know, a little bit of a crapshoot. If it's like the weather, if you don't like the standings in the Eastern Conference, wait a day or two, it's going to change. And Mississauga has been on a run of late. You go through their list and nobody really stands out, but they've gotten good goaltending as well. And an excellent GM coach in James Richmond. And then uh, North Bay, a team that struggled for a couple of years, but they got some good young players. Brandon Coe, I think looking for a pro contract is lighting it up. And I think you see with some of the young guys they've brought in through the draft because they had high picks for a couple of years. It's going to be interesting there. And then Peterborough struggled out of the gate. They're a very young team, but they got Mason McTavish back from Anaheim. So that at least helps them for the current situation, whether that's keeping them all season, whether that's seeing if a team comes knocking on their door to say, hi, we'd like to have, see if we can have his services. It gives Peterborough that option at least. And, you know, Barry's looked interesting as well, but they were looking for some more consistency, picked up a goalie this week. And I think all in all, but notice I've gone through how many teams already? I think that's where we're seeing in the OHL, we're going to see some changes. We're going to see teams finding their legs. And I think this will be the year where maybe we have a bit more of that jumbled up standings as the season goes on. And do you expect that general managers uh, around the league are, are going to recognize that or, or work under that? Uh, you know, we we had seen it in a few different levels, and maybe more so in the NHL of you know teams kind of steering away from a certain year draft, and not really knowing those kids haven't played. Uh, they're they're kind of unsure. Uh, is this a team or a league that you think that this year there may be a team that's sitting fifth or sixth in the conference, but has the opportunity to make a big splash, and and all of a sudden they're they're a team to beat i could be and certainly i think if they look around at their opponents as well and see if they think hey yes we just need that one defenseman to make a difference because i you know they could say okay we've looked at five games already that if we had that good defenseman or a goalie and there's 10 points and that 10 points would move us from fifth or sixth up to first or second and have home ice for the first couple of rounds you know ohl teams seem to be scared to do that unless they're already in that first second or maybe even third spot but I've always thought second or third round is not a bad season either. Sure, everybody wants to win a championship, but there's only one of those. You go deep in the playoffs, you get good attendance in the playoffs deeper, you have, you know, you go through all that. I think just because you don't win the championship doesn't mean you have not had a successful season. And I think if you have a chance to make a run, the big thing with a lot of that is what does it do for your next year? If you're fifth and sixth, you don't necessarily want to sell the farm for the future. But at the same time, if you're looking at it, or maybe you're going to be young next year anyway and you have older players, maybe it's like, okay, let's go for one more older player to make a difference, especially if you're confident maybe you have lots of picks already or if you have a couple really good 16-year-olds you know are going to take off next year. But, oh, yeah, GMs like to talk. There are some GMs that I think would, uh, you know, trade anything that's not uh, tied down if they could. They have lots of talks and try to wheel and deal. I always say there's, there's one GM, he'd be the one to show up at your garage sale, and if you were selling it for a quarter, he'd want it for 20 cents. He's just trying to wheel and deal and trying to get anything out of you. And uh, if you want one of his players, he would tell you he's the greatest player to ever play in the Ontario Hockey League uh, from that standpoint because he wants whatever, you know, as much from, for him as possible. Yet on the other side, he'd probably say, yeah, he's okay. But if you want him, well, he's the greatest OHL player ever. So all oh, those phone calls between the GMs are always uh, interesting. There's always those, right? And, you know, I, I think this year more so than other years, maybe because we've had two years of rookie crop, uh, it's wide open. Like, even the Sioux can score goals, but they also give up a lot of goals. Barry adds a goaltender. Ottawa gets in the CHL top 10 and promptly loses a couple of games. So, um, Oshawa's looking to add, right? Like, it's really wide open this year, isn't it, Terry? 
That's the fun of junior hockey, where most years, there are some years, let's be honest, it's been pretty predictable. You could sit at the start of the year and say these will be the top four. I think we go back to that year where it was, I think I want to say Barry, Brampton, Windsor, and one other team, basically, and that was your final four. And you knew that from Kitchen. the trade deadline even before. Yeah, I think that's right. That was Kitchener that year. And so, and everybody else, I remember Guelph made a deal. They were third or fourth that year in the conference, and they, they sold the farm. They actually helped Brampton that year. Thomas McCollum went over to Brampton, and people in Guelph were like, wait a minute, why did we sell? We're right there, just we're just below those other teams, but they sold, and, uh, and it turns out didn't work out for them in terms of the players they got back. So I think that's the fun of junior hockey, though, is it could be unpredictable. Most nights, anybody can beat anybody, and that's why you play a 68-game season, and, uh, hey, you're dealing with teenagers and young 20s that – you know, somebody didn't sleep well tonight so or last night, so he didn't have a good game as a goalie or, you know, had a rough day at school and therefore uh, not playing his best game or something like that. That's just the, the fun and unpredictability. It's not robotic. You and Manny have mentioned a few different storylines. Um, is there something that jumps out to you that's the big been the biggest storyline so far this season? I think the biggest storyline to me has just been the fact that we're going and we have played and the games have gone off without a hitch and, uh, you know, I think from that and the fact we've had some odd names or new names introduced to us. Who knew Tucker Robertson of the Peterborough Peets? And no, he's not part of the Jason Nick Robertson uh, situation there. And here he is lighting it up for Peterborough. And I think that's where we've had those interesting stories around the league of these names that kind of come out of nowhere a little bit that were maybe, you know, was maybe a rookie or something like that. How about in Kingston, uh, Lucas Edmonds? He's an overage rookie, plays from North Bay, drafted by Kingston, went over and played in Sweden uh, for a couple years, both junior and pro. And now he's putting up big numbers in Kingston and scouts are keeping a close watch on him while they're looking at Shane Wright for the Frontenacs. And those are always fun when those stories come out. But because of this two-year turnover, it's even more interesting to see these players. And then you're having to say, okay, who is this guy? I've never, we've never heard of him or heard very little of him. And all of a sudden taking off, even out of, even out of Sarnia. Uh, Nolan Burke, who came in, you know, it was a late birthday, but came in, played limited minutes. And I remember when he came in as a rookie thinking, should he be here or should he be playing at a junior B level and getting lots of minutes? But he was content to learn in Sarnia, you know, double digit goals very early in the season. He's a kid from Peterborough, but a late birthday came in to Sarnia. Being a Peterborough, being my hometown, I have to drop that in as well. So uh, <laughs> I'm contractually obligated to mention Peterborough sure. whenever I can. So, 17 but, times in the broadcast, right? Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so from that standpoint, but here he is, you know, around the league, some people are probably thinking, who's Nolan Burke and how does he have double digits as a goal scorer? So it's great to see these names come out of the woodwork. How long have you been in Sarnia now, Terry? So this is 14 years. So I said, if we had a season last year, this would be my 15th season, which time flies. I had to think about that. At fall, fall of 07, I made the move from Peterborough, there's the mention again, to Sarnia. And that was the Steven Stamkos year, his big draft year. So having a chance to uh, jump on the Sarnia side of things and watch uh, him, uh, the talent that he certainly was and the, the crazy talent of how good he was and the dramatic things that he did, that was a blast. And then... Uh, even some of the other guys that have come through, you look at the, you know, the Neil Yakupov show that came through, and sure, he didn't pan out in the NHL, but for a couple of years in Sarnia, some of the things he did, and I compared to him almost like watching the Harlem Globetrotters try to play hockey a little bit, or we go back to like a Robbie Shrimp, where it's crazy talent that you think, 
that's probably not going to work in the NHL, but it's a whole lot of fun right now to watch. He would go towards the opposition blue line, didn't like the look. He'd spin back to his own blue line. Then next thing you know, he's going one-on-one a defenseman and scores top shelf. That's fun to call. And that's a blast. But yeah, it's been, it's now 14 years as of last, this past August, officially on the calendar, 14 years I've been oh, in And I was going to ask you, and you named a, a couple of them right there. Who've been some of your favorite players that, that you've come across in your time? Well, you know, Stamkos leads the way just because also just a great person as well. And anytime, you know, cross paths occasionally and, you know, just having a chance to say, hi, how are you? Good to see you. And he came to town when they retired his number. He, were, he was coming over to a media scrum, but came over and said hi. He and I chatted for a couple minutes. And I went down to Tampa years ago to do a story as well. So we had a chance. And like his dad is just a wonderful, wonderful human being as well. Matt Martin would be another one who came through Sarnia. Just a, a great person indeed. And dealing with just some of those guys that are just... You know, the ones that maybe like a Nathan Charletti, who's gone on to med school, you know, lit it up in terms of the education side of things at St. FX, goes on to McGill, goes on to University of Ottawa, just smart as a whip. And uh, guys like that who are just great characters as well that, sure, NHL wasn't in their future, but great to deal with. Danny Nikandroff is another one as well. And some people listening are probably going to have to look up those names, (laughs) but those are people you get a chance to talk to and you know, get to know them a little bit, you know, at a distance, of course, because it's a professional situation, but at the same time, just seeing them have great success is a lot of fun as well. And it's like when the Stanley Cup finals come along and people say, well, who are you cheering for? I always say, I go through the list and say, who have I gotten to know when they played in the OHL? Not necessarily even for Sarnia, just who have I got to know a little bit in the OHL? That's who I want to see succeed. And, you know, like over the years, there's been players that didn't play for the team I covered. You know, Josh Bailey, uh, for example, you know, he goes on to the Islanders. Someone who, you know, had a chance to chat with and got along really well. Mikey DiPietro in Windsor would be another one. There's so many, even uh, played in the NHL for a while. Matt Pumple, who was a kid out of Windsor, played for Peterborough, then went to Kitchener. He and I got along great. Anytime we crossed paths, we'd shoot the breeze for a little bit, you know, before a game or something like that. And those are the ones where it's not the team they're playing for. I want to see them succeed. Uh, other than maybe if they're wearing a Toronto Maple Leafs jersey, that's a whole different story in terms of... I've been accused of cheering for whoever Toronto plays against. There's nothing wrong with that, Terry. I'll leave it that. But there's other, nothing other wrong than with that. that. Exactly. Yeah, other than that, I would say it's definitely the players that uh, you know enjoy seeing them succeed. And it will. I'll look at the rosters of you know the two teams in the Stanley Cup final. It's like, well, I'd like to see him and him win a cup. And that team doesn't have anybody. So, okay, there's who I'd like to see win. I was expecting the London Knights jersey and not the Toronto Maple Leafs jersey, but I'm fine with either <laughs> one of those. That's all right. <laughs> Well, Manny, I see as we're doing this, Manny wearing a green shirt, so I wondered if that's something uh, he needed to tell us about. <laughs> no, not, not yet. This is for football. This is for football. <laughs> Although, I've got to ask you, Terry, when, when did they start doing, the, if a player scores six goals in a game, somebody wins a prize in the Sanya Arena? It used to be five. Was it five? It, used, it was. It used it to be five. five yeah. Okay. It was five, and I actually know because it was my first or second year. Justin, it was also, they did it on the road. It was a radio promotion, and they would do it on the road, and Justin D. Benedetto, there's another name from the past that wow. somebody's going to have to look up, scored five in a game in the Sioux, and I knew the person that won 10,000. Wow. And then Matt Mistily scored five in a game. I want to say it was the family day game. He scored five, so somebody won, won 10 grand. So after I even looked at the radio guys after four, and I said, you still guys love that promo? I'm like, yep. And sure enough, after that, they said, okay, the insurance is too expensive. Move it up to six. <laughs> well, 
the reason I ask is because uh, Matt, John, and I were on a road trip while I was calling games for Owen Sound with Matt. And uh, uh, this was when we were covering the Owen Sound team at the time. Sarnia is pumping Owen Sound 6-1. Stamkos is on the ice after scoring four goals. And it's the power play. And we couldn't figure out why Stammer was out there in a... 6-1-7-1 hockey game with four goals already. I think Manny, <laughs> we, I Manny was calling it classless, I think. <laughs> really, no, no background into this promotion whatsoever. Uh, we were just, you're going to get this guy hurt. This is gonna, a future NHL superstar. What are you doing? Manny, Manny getting worked up in a broadcast call. <laughs> <laughs> and then... I want to say that was February of 08. <laughs> yes, in Sarnia. Owen Sound was in Sarnia. And yeah, Stamkos went off for four. And that's what it was. People knew there was a promo for the fifth. And it's like those... Uh, Except the radio was, broadcast the crew. Yeah. <laughs> Put it in the media guide, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> Funny thing, was Stammer then scored four in the playoffs against Windsor, too. So I think if the promo was still on, they were looking for a fifth in that one. But... Uh, you know, now, Manny, if they had offered to share some of the ten grand with you, you might have been cheering for them. Oh, I would have been all over that. I would have, I would have told Dave McQueen or whoever was the coach, uh, keep him on the ice for the rest of the game. Although well, it sounds like that's what Jim Sandlack, who was assistant coach that year, I always joke with Jim. He was one year's assistant. Stan Coast goes first overall. I said, "Hey, you taught Stammer everything you knew, or something." I said that Jim. I said, "Yeah." Jim says, "I said Stammer, get out there. Stammer, get out there." That's all the coaching I did. <laughs> hey, I should mention actually on uh, Saturday night, no one sound uh, free pizza for everybody in the building the next day at Domino's because the attack got five. Really? And they got six. They got six, but if they uh, score five, I believe it is, uh, everyone gets free. There you go. That's a pretty good promotion. The Detroit Tigers, you got to hit three home runs in a game to get a small curly fry at Arby's. And the last few <laughs> years, you're but lucky you get three home runs in a week from these guys. <laughs> they used to give you a sandwich if you got a double. Now they're making you work here. Hey, speaking of baseball and our guest Terry Doyle here on the podcast, not many people will know this, but Terry is also a baseball umpire and has been for almost 30 years. Is that right, Terry? You've done your homework. Yes, actually, I guess I've had a couple years off because of moving, but I think my first year umpiring was 92. So I won't tell you how old I was then, but yeah, I started umpiring in 92. So yeah, started almost 30 years ago. How, how did you get into that? Money. I wanted. I was, I, was, I was young, and hey, there's a chance to hang out. I was already playing baseball, and it's like, hey, you can go out and umpire some games and make some money. And I said, okay, I'll take that. And then uh, kept doing it around uh, my hometown that starts with a P and ends in Borough, and then uh, continued that on. And then uh, when I moved to Sarnia, I didn't do it the first year or two, but then got back into it. And now I actually teach the clinics for the young youngsters and uh, people getting into it. And I've had a chance to move on to the program where I've done a couple national championships and provincials. A lot of, you know, kind of like you guys relate to in the, the network of people we know around the O, same kind of situation, the network of people you get to know around baseball. 
across the province and we see each other a couple times a year and to keep in touch that way see each other at a tournament and it's like long lost friends so yeah it's a blast but i think i caught a little bit you guys were knocking the umpires in the brand the world they're leading up to the world series at one point so yeah, jo- john know. and manny are are all on board for these robots i, I don't know terry uh, to me it's i, I think baseball is great the way it Who? is but yeah <laughs> Who? Who? I think someone just got thrown under the bus. Yeah. <laughs> True listeners will know Matt is the one who has a few things to say about the game. What do you think, Terry, about the umpire's job nowadays? And what do you think about robo-umps? I'm against robo-umps, and obviously I'm biased being an umpire, but I don't think... Because I've watched it closely, there are times where they would call something with the robo-umps that nobody in the park, uh, the batter, the catcher, would not expect to be a strike. Think of when R.A. Dickey was pitching. There are balls that would have been in the dirt that Robowump would call a strike. Nobody wanted that to be called a strike, so why are we making that a strike to start with? And I think that's where we look at it from that standpoint. So I think realistically, it's a human game. Let it be officiated by humans. I like the one example I've seen where you could challenge an outrageous third strike call we will call it and i think i've seen that as a a system that's been suggested that i can see where it's like okay that was just obviously missed we'll fix it but yeah no sorry matt robo umps and non-starter well here's my problem with with baseball and this legit me like baseball is my favorite sport i've got a ton of problems with the way baseball is is going these days but (laughs) you got the song still john you got the song ready john had even made a song about how much i complain about baseball on the show <laughs> to, uh, to me, the the biggest problem with baseball is how long these games are taking. Uh, how yes. is how is reviewing strikes or or eliminating this and that? How how does the game get better um, or more efficient uh, in that in that sort in that sense? Well, here's one of my things: is I can't stand where the coach says, "Hold on up, let's look at the." I'm going to let my video guys look at this. And then we'll wait 30 seconds and say, oh, never mind. Or then we will challenge. Like, I would like to see it where play happens, challenge it right then and there. You don't get a chance to look at the video. You get the same angle the umpire got. Okay, give him an extra challenge if you have to. But boom, your second baseman says, I got him. Challenge it or not, right then and there. This idea, and I've been at games where even if it's a routine pickoff at first, oh, hold on, let's look at it. That's got to go. I think first and foremost... An extra challenge, fine, because this wait 30 seconds and then challenge has gotten a little ridiculous. I don't mind the whole you have to face three batters because pitching changes were getting a little silly from that standpoint. I honestly didn't mind the whole seven-inning doubleheader thing as well that moves on, moves the game along pretty quickly. Sure, nine innings in a playoff situation don't shorten things up. The extra inning thing I was kind of torn on a little bit, but I don't think we need an 18-inning game in the middle of June. I think maybe if you want to say the runner on second starts in the 11th inning or something to get us out of here. I don't think you need that. But, no, baseball needs to – it's one thing to have playoff games that go long. But, yeah, a game in the middle of June should not be going four and a half hours between the Red Sox and Yankees because it's always those two teams that take forever. And so, yeah, do they need to speed it up? Absolutely. And, sure, it's not easy on the umpires this whole spin rate and the way these balls are moving before. Sure, a guy threw 90 – you know, Nolan Ryan threw 100 – it wasn't moving like the way these guys having these balls move as well. So, and everything is micromanaged so much. I think that's where it has changed the game from that end. But yeah, there are some things, obviously I love, I go 
I've been to every major league park that's being used right now, except the Texas one, because that opened during COVID. I love checking out baseball, you know, when hockey season's done, even sneaking in a game in the middle of hockey playoffs, if I can, uh, from that standpoint, or on the way to an NHL draft, I've worked in a baseball road trip or two. But yeah, there are some things, is baseball perfect, Matt? I agree, it's not. But I think, kind of like a lot of things, we complain too much about things, and it's like people (laughs) used to always complain about the NHL All-Star game. Nobody said it was going to be intense. Nobody said it was going to hit. It is what it is. It's a showcase game. If you want to watch it, fine. If you don't, don't. I think sometimes we try to change everything when sometimes it's just it is what it is. Terry, great conversation today. We'll end on that note. Uh, Maybe we can get you back towards the end of the OHL season and the start of hopefully a baseball season, if there is one, with this labor dispute. Terry, appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. Anytime, boys. Our thanks again to Terry Doyle, the voice of the Sarnia Sting on your TV. And listen for Terry on OHL Radio News program that airs weekly as well. Good conversation there about hockey, throwing a little baseball as well. Yeah, Terry was great. He's, he is an, an OHL insider. There's there's a few guys that you think of when you think of the OHL and covering the, the league from a, a media standpoint. I mean, Terry is, is one of the first names you pull out for sure. Manny's easily in the top 20, but Terry is is right at the tip of your tongue. I think you forgot a zero, a zero on the end. <laughs> hey, you got to do the Glenn Hall ceremony. I saw a bunch of people tweeting about that. What a great job you did. Oh, that, that was very nice that Windsor did ask me, although um, he introduced me as my former job title. <laughs> <laughs> Even even though I told them not to and gave them something to introduce me as, they announced me as the news director of a local radio station in Windsor. Whoops. Well, it's because you handed them a sheet that said Mr. Universe and they weren't going to bother saying that. No, especially since I was wearing the tuxedo t-shirt. Underneath my chest. <laughs> the lapel that splurts splur- splur- water out of people. No, you know what? Uh, I had to write that speech too that I that I uh, read at the Glen Hall ceremony. The fact that he started five hundred started and completed five hundred and two consecutive games wow. without a goalie mask. Uh, I think if you count the playoffs, it's like five hundred and fifty one games that's, that's remarkable as yeah. a goalie yeah yeah wow. i wonder how many how many teeth does he have left of his original teeth i wonder oh, he's great he's 90 years old the video that they did with him was fantastic out there in alberta uh, he deserves all the accolades that he oh, gets absolutely. Absolutely. Very cool. Very cool. So stay tuned again. Uh, we'll uh, continue onward here um, for future considerations. Always a great guest uh, on the OT. Uh, so join us for that uh, OT episode. Normally drops on Friday mornings. And uh, you never know who's coming next. That's right. And you can also join in the conversation too. Follow us on social media at Podcast FFC on Twitter and Instagram and for future considerations on Facebook. Or you can also email us your questions and comments at forfutureconsiderations at gmail.com. Yeah, we want to thank our sponsors on this episode, London Awnings, Quality That Shows, and Shane Topolovic of Next Level Athletics in Windsor. He specializes in sport training and nutrition and 
I don't know if he has done anything for 502 consecutive days or games or matches. Or I don't want to know either. Quite yeah, honestly, I don't, I don't want to know. Either. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't heard from Shane in a while. We'll have to uh, to see how he's doing. Hope he's doing all right. Hopefully. Well, and thanks for listening, everybody. Hey, this was great. Let's do this again next week. Sounds good. All right. <laughs> have a good weekend. Enjoy the CFL playoffs. Go, Owls, go. Thanks for listening to For Future Considerations. That was a disgraceful performance, in my opinion. In my opinion, that sucked. Their mentality's awful. Their attitude's awful. It's been their M.O. for the last three years. Tonight I saw and heard one of the most disgusting, rudest, sick demonstrations in my entire career. Probably the worst. It's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. You're still here? It's over. Go home.